For years, our next guest traveled to some of the world's most dangerous places, covering wars and international affairs for the CBC. Of course, she also hosted The Current for 17 years, sharing stories about politics and society and individuals, everyday people. Now, she is sharing her very own personal story of surviving domestic violence in her podcast, Welcome to Paradise. Anna Maria Tremonti will be in Edmonton this Friday as the keynote speaker for the YWCA Edmonton's Rose Campaign Breakfast. Now, a little bit of background on that. The Rose Campaign was founded in honour of the 14 women massacred at a coal polytechnique at the University of Montreal, December 6, 1989. And it was a horrific event that Anna Maria remembers well. Anna Maria, welcome to 6:30, Chad. Hi, Jalen. Thank you. It's nice to uh, it's nice to speak with you. And you're coming back to Edmonton. You worked in Edmonton years ago. I did indeed. I started my television career in Edmonton, and uh, I used to live in Skunk Hollow. Not everybody even knows where that is anymore. <laughs> I do know where that is. A friend of mine lives down there, so it's fascinating to hear. And uh, we'll pack your uh, extra warm coat when you when you head this way on Friday. Anna Maria, I want to start. And I want to ask you um, to begin with about Welcome to Paradise, your six-part podcast, and sharing those details of of your first marriage and the domestic violence that you went through the intimate partner violence that you went through for years you kept that hidden you didn't tell friends you didn't tell your family what was it that made you say that the time is right now to finally share this incredibly personal story well um, you know I it was a story I wanted to tell and I I did tell close friends and family, but I never got into the weeds with it, you know. Um, but I, I had always wanted to tell the story because it just wouldn't leave me alone. Like, it was just something, even as I moved forward and, quite frankly, had a pretty good life, um, <laughs> it was still always there. And I thought that maybe there was a discussion that could be helpful. And I just didn't know how to do it. Like, you know, I at first thought I might have a discussion on the current and, you know, come clean and come you know say what happened to me but then i always thought well that would be intrusive if i was talking to somebody else about their issue so um when when podcasting became more of an option i realized that that would be a good way to tell a story like this Mm -hmm. and but what really what what it was really was the fact that I had been talking to so many other women who had been through um, something very parallel to what I had been through, and I always felt that, well, what I went through helped me uh, be able to ask them the questions so that they could use their voice uh, if they chose to do that. But then at some point, it just started to feel like a bit of a lie, right, that Mm -hmm. I never said anything about myself. And that built up, and then there was a way that I figured out I could do it. So all of those things coming together. Anna Maria, I have to say, listening to the podcast, one of some of the most powerful pieces was uh, your conversations with your father and 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 talking to him and getting his insights into um, what had happened, his thoughts so many years later, bringing your dad into the into the podcast and having him be a part of it. Um, I have to imagine it must have been it, it must have been difficult but maybe also a little bit liberating to be able to have those conversations 
Yes, it was. Um, uh, you, you really hit that on the head there. Yeah, it was. It was very liberating to talk to him about it, it with the detail because some things I just had never bothered to ask or tell him. And you know, my mom died about ten years ago, and my dad and I have had different conversations since then because you know my mom was always the, the one that I would confide in a little bit, mm -hmm. and then my dad would be the second one, right? And this. So it was a different kind of thing, and it, to go back and say, well, what do you remember talking to her about? And 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 it was like a journey that way. And so you know, my dad and I talk twice a day. <laughs> um, so we talk about everything, and it just made sense. I don't know how I chose to put him in there. I think at one point we were driving down the highway, and I actually he said something because I was talking about the podcast, and I I said, grab my phone, okay, Dad, push that button, push that button, <laughs> just hold it there, let's record this, right? It, 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 so it just kind of kept happening. So I mentioned in the intro that you're coming to Edmonton this week as the keynote speaker for uh, the YWCA of Edmonton's Rose Campaign Breakfast, the keynote speaker. Now, the Rose Campaign founded in honour of the 16 women who were massacred uh, December 6, 1989. Uh, you were uh, working that day. I was working that day. I was, you know, far away in, in, a, in a newsroom in Thunder Bay. Where were, where were you that day and what do you remember of uh, the coverage that day and the conversations that happened? I, it's so interesting. I, I would have the same question for you because uh, you can remember it too, mm -hmm. I'm sure. You know, I was in the Ottawa Parliament Hill Bureau, and so we were covering, I remember we all stayed that night to, to you know, do political fallout you know there were just a few stories coming up but we were all kind of contributing getting clips that kind of thing and um it was horrific you'll remember that you know that as as the story started to come out it was really clear what he had done mm -hmm. um he had separated the women from the men he called them all feminists he shot the women he had a list of other women who he said were feminists that he wanted to kill and so the next day all of the women in the ottawa bureau we went into the office again and we said that that wasn't we're still talking about it because we're still reading Mm -hmm. as the country was and and we said you know that was that was violence against women and all of the men in the bureau said no it wasn't it was violence and women were killed and it was terrible yes yes but that's not violence against women that was and it, it didn't occur to them right and uh, in 1989 violence against women was a phrase that we weren't all using and the, they just didn't see what we saw and it always stuck with me that, that they just couldn't see what we saw immediately. Has it, has it changed? Do you think that we are doing a better job in, in covering this issue? And as oh, I'd like to say as a society dealing with, but I already know the answer with it because I'm not 100. I, I don't think we are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it's yes and no, right? I think, yeah. I think we do talk about it more. I think we use that language a little more and we're quicker to identify it. But at the same time, no, not enough. I was talking to somebody the other day and they pointed out that when the van attack happened in Toronto mm. and there was a ceremony right away, you know, about two days later, for the victims of that and there were men and women killed but of course we found out that he was actually after women because he was an incel um you know like he like th that it's not automatic that we look at that still and and it is something we need to really see when it comes to intimate partner violence we still see it as that's between two people we don't even understand even in journalism like how we report it mm -hmm. we don't understand that it actually affects um, more than just two people. It affects our society. And we know now that often 
um, you know, a significant number of mass murders begin mm -hmm. with an act of domestic violence. Puerto Rico, Nova Scotia started that way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's not the only one, right? Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. like, we, we're still not connecting all those dots journalistically, and we kind of have an obligation to do that. Anna Maria Tremonti joining me this afternoon in town this uh, Friday as keynote speaker for the YWCA's Edmonton Rose campaign breakfast. Anna Maria, we were talking about uh, the massacre in, in Montreal, December 6, 1989. Years later, I think it was 2008, you interviewed the mother of the murderer. What do you remember uh, about that? And what, do you, what did you take away from that? And I suspect still remember to this day. Well, uh, the biggest thing, and I'm very ashamed to say this, um, is that I didn't want to talk to her. I thought, why would I want to talk to the mother of a killer? Um, and I actually said to the producer who brought this story forward, no, I don't want to do that. And she said to me, I, I think you do, actually, and this is why. And so I listened to her, and we did the interview, and, and I realized that I was judging her for him. And, you know, as we spoke... I mean, she didn't even know she was the mother of the killer. She actually, that day, she heard about it on the news like so many other people. And she was going to a prayer meeting that night because she's very religious. And she said, let's pray for the mother of the killer. She didn't know it was her. And when she realized that was her son who did that, she said it was because of me because I'm a feminist and he hated what I stood for. And she blamed herself on every level. Um, you know, she had been in um, an abusive marriage. She had left... Um, the kid's father um, and she had a daughter and a son and um, and so she really blamed herself and I learned something really valuable because it's and it's I, I, I want to say we in the media I'll say I in the media did this you know like when something bad happens we want we get so upset we want to blame all the people around them as if it's the family that did it you know and and it was just a really good reminder that, um, you know, she had no idea her son was going to do this. She um, she felt she was just, like, mortified isn't a good enough word. And it, she eventually reached out to some of the, you know, family members. Hmm. And some people talked to her, some couldn't. But it, but it was a real lesson to me about how we judge people and how we make assumptions. Hmm. And, um, and I did that. And thank goodness I listened to my producer and I did talk to her because I, it was a really important conversation to have. Well, and I think this one is really uh, an important conversation to have as well, and the conversation that you're going to have on, on Friday to that audience. And I'm curious to know when, you know, years on and, um, and, and, and shedding the, the weight of what you have uh, gone through, what do you believe we as a society need to do? What still needs to be done? What would you urge people to do? when it comes to domestic violence in this country, in their neighborhoods, in their communities? Uh, to understand that it's uh, happening all around us, that we pass people every day, that there's no um, one kind of person to whom this happens, that you are not, um, you know, you're not immune because of your education or your economic standing or whatever, and that we pass each other every day. And that there are a whole bunch of people who carry the shame of that, even though it's not theirs to carry, it's the perpetrator's shame. And just how would affect us, how would it affect us all if we understood that, you know, that people we care about 
maybe this has happened to them and we just have never talked to them about it. And for the people to whom it is happening, they feel they're alone. And so how would you feel if you realized you weren't? If you realize that a lot of people you pass on the street are actually going through it or went through it too, would it change the way you saw yourself? Would it change the way you judged yourself? And, you know, could we have more of a conversation? Because the more we talk about it, Mm -hmm. maybe the more we can prevent it. I think you you described it as that prickly invisible coat that so many of us wear. And I thought that that was a really brilliant way of explaining or describing this shame so you know you never know of course who's listening and this is a topic that I cover uh, on my show on uh, on a regular basis it's it's one that I, I'm passionate about and I think it's important for those who are possibly listening or maybe a friend of someone who needs help who might be listening what do you tell them Anna Maria um, to the friend, I say, listen, let, get, make yourself a safe place so they can talk to you because it's not so easy as you just leave right away, right? So they, they need a safe place to talk, keep the conversation going. And to the people who are in it, understand there are, in every city now, there are people who are willing to help you um, get away to survive. And... Um, you know, the more we talk about it, the more we, you and I talk like this, the more the, the Rose campaign works with shelters and others working this, then the more resources there are to help people, you know, have a, a better life because you deserve a better life. You deserve joy in your life. Anna Maria, thank you for sharing your story. I'm going to urge people to listen to the podcast. It's called Welcome to Paradise. Uh, six episodes long, very powerful. Thank you for this. It's been, uh, it's been a pleasure and it's been an honor. Thank you. Thank you, Jalen.